Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much, maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. We're back with another episode. I'm so excited to talk to you for the second time this week. Um, (laughs) Every time I talk to you, I literally leave like a new renewed person. Okay, well, we've had some really good feedback on the show on like specific topics that we've had. Um, And I had a few conversations with people on just like that are in the space that listen to the podcast already and just places where they kind of want us to double click on. And one of those places is on they use the word delegating. And I know that it's something that I actually would want to start with hearing from you the difference in mindset between delegating and enrolling. Yeah. So I think this is really important because even what that person was saying kind of was giving clues to thinking of it in terms of delegation rather than in terms of enrollment. So delegating, the idea that we usually have and you know, check me if this isn't your understanding of it, but most of the time when people are using the word delegate, what they mean is I'm going to teach this person to do something the way that I want them to do it. And then I'm going to make sure that they do it that way. And I'm going to like, then take this thing that I'm doing and get it off my plate to somebody else. I'm going to delegate it to somebody else. Okay. And the difference in the language that I like to use is enrolling because what we're really doing is first of all, the confusion with the delegation thing is that you have to be good at a thing in order to get it off your plate. Like if I'm going to delegate something, if I'm going to teach somebody to do something the way that I do it, well, then I better already be an authority on it. Right. And so then I, there's the whole process of like teaching them to do it the exact way that I would do it. And that's all like a delegation process. Whereas with enrolling, what we're doing, because what's at the bottom line, what we're really having is we have some things that if we're, if our business is going to succeed, according to the vision that we have for our business, we have some results that we want created in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what we're really trying to do at its highest and best, I think, is enroll somebody else, a team member, a partner, whoever. And this isn't just for business. This is like in every part of our lives, but it certainly works in business. We're we're trying to enroll somebody into getting those results for 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 the business, for the creation of whatever our vision is in the world. Okay, and so that is like a sales conversation. Right. It's like a it's like a how do we help you help me? help us create more in the business with enrollment. Mm-hmm. So does that distinction make dif- a, di- a different, um, make sense? Like we're not yeah. giving something to somebody to get it off of our plate. We're finding somebody who might be better at this thing than we are. And we're enrolling them and using their skills and abilities to help us create whatever results we're looking for in our business. So two things. The first part is that actually when this person who had told me that they want us to double click on this, Um, she had someone in the room who works with her and she was like, like the, the sense that I got was that she was like, no, but like, you know, like you're doing such a, like, it was like very from like a, 
like delegating so hard, like, and she didn't want her teammate to feel like she was just putting things on her plate, which goes to your point. Like, you know, you're getting something off of your plate. It's not something that you want. It's kind of like, it has that energy of like, get this out of my system or get this out of my way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that really resonated with me. Um, the second thing that came up for me hearing you speak as a founder who is an expert in one category, right? Like mm-hmm. if I am trying to have people come onto my team or enroll them to do something, and I know that I'm a category leader in this space, like what, what mental blocks or like what, what tools can we use to release the, the micromanagey or like the, um, like what, what, how, what's the process like to really actually release that and let someone else do it in a way that is theirs, it's their own. And it doesn't necessarily have to be exactly the way that the founder who started the business does it. Um, and do you see that come up in your practice a lot? Yeah, totally. And I, and I want to just, I want to kind of separate out a couple of things because that micromanaging piece is something that's really important. And I think a lot of my founders who come to me and they're like going into building team and creating so that they can scale or so that they can create more freedom in their lives, whatever it is that they're wanting, right? They wind up, they're like, oh yeah, you know, I want the business to do, to have more help so that like I can get things off my plate. But ultimately what they wind up doing is just replacing the work that they're doing with like now micromanaging somebody else to do the work that they hired them to do. And which is why, by the way, I am stuck on not hiring is because I am stuck in this block. So like SOS, because I, (laughs) I have that, that narrative in my mind. Well, like, yeah, I can enroll someone else to do it. And it's going to, who's going to manage, who's going to manage all these people that have been enrolled me. So my, is my job now going to be doubled, tripled, quadrupled, depending on how many more people I enroll? Cause then to me, is that the opposite of freedom? So what, yeah, keep going. And what's your answer to that? Yeah, totally. And so, and, and so I just want to make like, bring that to the forefront is that that's what, how a lot of people are thinking of this. And honestly, we come by it honestly, because I think this is the way that traditionally we've thought about what management is. Another, there is a piece of management. Okay. That does want to be covered somehow in the mm-hmm. business. Okay. So have we talked about the three hats idea or the, like the, I usually use a ship analogy with the captain and the first mate and the, the sailors. Yeah. So I'll just like run through that real quick for listeners, but there's basically essentially three roles that want to be happening in a business. And mm-hmm. these can be like broken down in further ways, but there's the captain role. The captain's job is to like get the ship where it's going to have the vision for where we're going to make sure that not only does the ship make it to where we're going, but that everybody is alive by the time we get there. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the captain's job. The first mate's job then is to take that captain's vision for how we're going to get there. Okay. And then go make sure that those things, the things that are required to be done in order to get there, unfurling the sails, raising the anchor, whatever the, like moving the rudder. I don't, I don't pretend to be a sailor, <laughs> but all those activities that need to be done. There's like a checklist of things that want to be done in order to get the ship to where it's going. And then there's the sailors and the sailor's job is to just follow orders. Okay. Just to go do the thing that the first mate told them to do. And then the first mate's job is to make sure that those things got done. Because if we miss something, we could potentially have a a crash or a leak or something goes wrong with the boat. Right. So the first mate's job is to both communicate to the sailors what is there is to be done and then to go back and make sure that all of those things got done that we didn't miss anything and to double check the work that sort of thing right and so all of this works together to make the ship get to where it's going okay now a couple things one is so, so one way of thinking about this is all of those things also happen within any individual we have the part of our job that is like understanding what is to be accomplished 
We have the part of our job that is like thinking about what the steps are to get that job accomplished. And then we have the part of us whose job it is to just do the work, right? Mm -hmm. So this is true, not only in a company in that sense, but also in our individual lives as well, right? And so the thing, the reason I like to make this distinction and I like this model for thinking about it is because the, the first mate and the captain, they can think, they can ask questions, right? Their, their job is in some ways to, to think about what is being done, right? And ask questions about how that's going. The sailors, their job is not to ask questions. They can bring issues to the first mate about things that are going on. Like, Hey, I can't get this thing open or what? I don't know. I'm going to leave the analogy behind a little bit, but the sailor's job is not to like ask questions. They can bring those questions to the attention of the first mate or the captain, but not to like go about addressing the the questions or solving the problems, right? That's Mm -hmm. the first mate or the captain's job to do. Right. And so when we're in that mode, sailor mode, our sailor mode, see the, the job is for us as the manager mode or as the leader mode to create the vision and then to create the action plan to get that vision accomplished. Then in sailor mode, our job is not to question, but just to like get the thing done somehow. Okay. So I think that this is like just a useful model for thinking about the way that these, these work things get undone. Now, what the what the first where it might start to break down is if the first mate is like standing behind the the sailors saying like oh no that's not how you do that or like go do it this way or whatever right because really we just want the thing done but how does the sailor know exactly what to do how does the first mate know exactly how to take what the sailor's saying and like put that into a game plan to then show the sailor like how how do all these people know what that is Totally. Well, so, so two questions or two answers to that. One is we either find a sailor who's an experienced sailor that already knows what they're doing. Okay. Or two, we have a learning, a training and development process. And I think what makes a business really successful, like the really successful businesses are standard operating procedures. Like we have things that these are the ways that we do it and it works right now. That's, that's great. If we want people like following checklists or just going through lists. And that's one way to do it. Right. But another way of doing it is to enroll the person who's doing the work in their genius, like to find out how do they do it? Now that's going to be a slower process. It's going to take more time, right. Than just like commanding someone to do something and then cracking a whip to make sure that they did the thing. Right. But the Bennett, go ahead. Oh no, I had, I had a question that it kind of like goes back to like old school mentality or old school corporate, like climbing the ladder, like, Mm -hmm. Cause I feel like, especially if like in this generation that I'm in of like founders right now, like the mentality is like, let's say we have a sailor who comes in, they have been taught how to do it. And the process to date has been like, they've been taught and then they, they do that job for a while and then they grow into first mate, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So, so is that the intention now moving forward in like this type of economy or is it just like, we need 10 sailors and we need three first mates or whatever you call it. And one sailor, you know? And so my thought on this is that we, we kind of, it's, it's always bothered me that that's the model is that like, you're a really good individual contributor. So then you get moved into a leadership role where your job is to like oversee individual contributors. The reason that that is so to me, that's such a risk is because the skills required to be a leader and the skills required to be an individual contributor could be vastly different skills. And so you might have somebody who's really good. Let's take sales, for instance. Like you might have somebody who's really good at the act of selling, okay? 
But if you think about what a, like a, ma- a sales manager does versus an actual seller, right? Making sure that everybody's hitting their numbers, like, you know, coordinating team meetings, like coordinating results, all those things, like the skills of that, the coordination stuff and all of the leadership stuff that we have managers doing are, are very different than getting on the phone with people and selling the product or service that you're doing, mm-hmm. right? So we might have somebody who's really good at that thing and they're very effective and they're contributing to the bottom line in a really great and useful way for the business, right? And now we move them into a role that just because that's the path is that you go from this level to this level to this level and that that's the way to like make more money, right? That that's how the model works, right? That's I don't think that's always the most effective way of doing things. I think that there are certain people who their skill set is actually in the kinds of things that a first mate does, right? And it's valuable to the business to have that person be doing that, right? And it's valuable to have the salesperson doing the sales thing, right? And it might not be so valuable. Now, maybe you have a salesperson who actually also happens to be really good at the managerial stuff or wants to develop those skills, right? And then I say, great. But to just assume that by putting them in the position that they're going to now be a manager or have those skills, I think that's a little bit risky for a business, right? Mm. Now, it doesn't answer your question about how do we get people the sailors doing their job. So the, the one thing is we have, we bring somebody in who's already, who already knows how to do it. They have their own systems, right? That they already have, they understand how to unfurl a sail. They understand how to move the rudder. They understand how to raise the anchor. They understand how to pull an oar, right? And we don't need to teach them to do it because they already know how to do it. Those people tend to be a little bit more expensive because look, we don't have to train them, right? Right. Yeah. We can just probably count on them to do what they're doing. Right. The other way is to bring people who are a little bit more junior or a little bit less experienced is really the way that we're talking about it. Right. And then go through a process by which we somehow get the skill of whatever the job is in that person to do it. And it's going to take a little bit longer. The benefit is we can start them a little bit lower because they don't have, they can't command the kind of market value. Right. And then we can get them doing the thing the way that we want them to do it. Right. It's just going to take us longer and a lot more like mentoring teaching right. kind of thing. And I think that that's a choice that we can make as a business owner. Which way do you want to go? Do you want to bring in the person who's already a bit more experienced and just be able to leverage their experience right now? Or do we want to bring somebody in who's a little bit junior, more cost effective, but who we can raise their skill set up over time and then then we'll be getting a value. Right. Right. So then what are your thoughts like on, you know, the importance of investing in your team and nurturing your team and making your making sure that your team is happy? and growing and all that stuff within this new economy or this new way of thinking of it, not so much like old school corporate or hierarchy, but like really how, how do you implement that in this type of scenario? If they're staying sailor forever um, or maybe, maybe that's the answer is that it's not a forever thing. And that longevity in those types of roles is not a forever thing. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that is part of what I think if, if employers do not understand this about the modern economy, they're going to suffer in some way. We no longer have a system where you have a job and you stay in that career for 45 years and then you retire with a pension and all that stuff. Like those days are gone and maybe a few vestiges of companies will hold on to that structure and have that thing. But for the vast majority of companies, like that's just not going to be the way people don't stick around in jobs for long periods of time anymore. They get some skills and then they move on and they climb a ladder by shifting and moving to other ladders. And that's the way that it works, right? You don't like stay in the same company. So thinking about it in those terms is I think maybe not as useful, right? 
So, okay. So I, I am in the PR space, which is very relationship heavy, right? So I would Mm -hmm. say that in this scenario, and like, this might be too nitty gritty for someone, but maybe it lands. I feel like this industry is very much relationship oriented and people are part of why they're hiring us aside from uh, sailor strategy is the network that the first attendant is helping like the sailors implement or like actually like dictating which of the network we're tapping. Right. So like that second hire in a, a industry that's very relationship heavy, I have a hard time seeing how it's beneficial having someone that's not going to be there for a certain period of time or for like a significant period of time, because it's, that's literally what differentiates an agency from another agency is sure. like relationships. Well, you know? sure. And it's your job as the captain or that. Thank you, Captain. <laughs> it's your job as the captain to make sure that you keep your your sailors alive. That you keep them happy and, and around. Right. Ultimately, it's an, enro- an enrollment process. This is why I like thinking about it in a terms of enrollment. Because if you're just delegating and you're just cracking a whip to get people to do things, like I mean, at some point, chances are probably better than even that they're gonna get tired of having a whip cracked and they're gonna go see what else they can do. Right. And in today's economy where you can literally anyone can start a business and directly contact any other person on the planet and with enough grit, anybody can just do do business on their own. That's what you're competing against. Not just every other employer who happens to employ people to do what you're employing your sailors to do, but also the possibility that they can just go do their own thing on their own. Right. And so what we're having and this goes back to your question about like, well, how do we like, what are my thoughts on like keeping your sailors happy or whatever? And I say the better you're able to do that and enroll your sailors in a long-term vision of your business's success and their own success as it relates to the business's success, right? Like they're not just contributing to your reality. If you are co-creating a reality in which they're very enrolled, then we have a better chance of keeping the sailors around, keeping them happy, maintaining those relationships that are the lifeblood of your business or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the game that we're playing is figuring out how to negotiate with another person such that they like sticking around and contributing to your business in a way. And that they're, that whatever their desire, cause everybody has different things that they want from life. Right. And to assume that there's like a one size fits all, that's what like money tries to do. It's like, Oh, well, we'll just pay people more. And it's like, okay, well that maybe works for some people. Not everybody's not money motivated, but to find out who the person in front of you, what they're motivated by, like, what do you want to get from this job? What are you like? What do you like about whose role is that to like ensure the happiness of sailors? Like whose role is that? Because what came up for me as you're saying that is like, wow, that sounds like a lot of work as being the captain, making sure that there's clients, making sure that you know, all of these strategies are actually implemented, making sure that like the vision is coming to life, making sure that I have a long-term plan and going back down to the boat or whatever, <laughs> like making sure that every single one of these sailors is getting their individualized needs met. That's, that oh. is something that paralyzes me into not wanting to do it. Cause I'm like, yeah. I already have enough on my plate as is. Yeah. Especially if we're micromanaging people. Right. But the, yeah. so but this is a in great this case. It's not even micromanaging in this case. It's like trying to like make sure that they're happy. Even that is work, you know? Yeah. Well, make sure that they're happy is one way of thinking about it. Another way of thinking about it is when you bring somebody on, making sure that your values are aligned that, and, and this is like a hiring process. Now, look, hiring is also something that you don't have to do. That can be a sailor's job to go and find people and figure out what's important to them and enroll them and make sure that the, but ultimately at the end of the day, the, 
whether the company, your company continues running is up to you. That's the captain's job. How do we keep the ship going alive? Mm -hmm. And how do we get to where we're going? And the captain is at the end of the day, the captain is responsible for all of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the extent to which they can enroll a first mate who is really effective at keeping the sailors wanting to participate in the vision, right? Because because the one thing that's missing from this ship analogy is you're stuck on the boat, man. <laughs> Everybody's stuck on the boat in the ship analogy, right? But that's just not the way that it works in, in our reality. Nobody's stuck right. in the boat, right? And so the game that we're playing is enrolling people. How do we figure out how to enroll people in our vision, right? So Such that we're contributing things? to each other's realities. So what are some tangible, like next step things for our listeners right now that are the how? Like what are things that you've seen work or like maybe questions to ask or um, things that you've seen be successful for your clients? Yeah. Well, one thing is getting focused on results first, not on actions. Don't think how, think what, what needs to be done in order for the business to succeed. So, um, you know, like I'm thinking in the PR space, I'm just going to use your business as an example. Like ultimately the what is getting pieces placed, right? And if we're doing that, it, it doesn't really matter how we're doing it, right? And you can check in with yourself on to know that this is true because you can say, if we were to, if, if somebody were to follow your perfect plan and do all the things that you told them to do exactly the way that you told them to do it, but they didn't create that result in the world, how long would you be able to keep them around? The client? No, your employee. If they were to follow your exact plan and do everything that you told them to do, but they weren't getting placements in your business. Yeah, they wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't be able to. Yeah, we, there, there's something wrong though with my system, though. In that, right? In that there case. might be there might be something wrong with your system. But what we're saying is, it doesn't matter about the system because it matters about the result. Now, oh, let's flip right. It on its, let's flip it on its ear. If they're creating the results and they're getting placements, but they're they're doing nothing like what your system is. They're, it's completely different. I, I can care less. Great. You care less. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's how we that's how we know that we're clear on a result, right? And yeah. this is how we get ourselves out of the micromanaging mindset is we get really focused on the result that we're looking to create. And we have a very authentic conversation with a, with a worker because, because like the, the story that we've been telling for a long time about like the corporate reality is that the value of work is in how hard it is. Okay. It's really like, I'm a hard worker. So I'm very valuable. That's like the story that people tell. Okay. But it does not, I will tell you from a leader's perspective, Nobody gives a shit how hard the work is, really. Yeah, if it's I can not literally give a shit. Yeah. yeah. If like someone sends me on a Tuesday a report that we're supposed to send on Friday and we're hitting all of our numbers and like we're seeing momentum, I'm like, fabulous. Great. Go take the rest of the week off. Exactly. Like, I don't care. We got five podcasts for a client. Fabulous. Two pieces. Fabulous. Like, you know, I don't yeah. care how you did it. Exactly. As long as it's obviously like if I'm looking back and you're like doing something shady, like obviously. Yeah. Not. I mean, it's got to be authentic and all that stuff yeah. too, right? Like that's relationship totally. as well. Yeah. So that's where, that's the first thing I think for people to understand. It doesn't matter whether you dig the hole with a backhoe or you dig it with spoons. What the, what the leader's job is to, what, what we want to have happen for the business is that the hole gets dug. I don't get, honestly, I don't give a shit if you dig it with a backhoe or you dig it with a spoon. In fact, I hope you figure out a way to dig it with a backhoe. If you can have a team of people who have figured out how to dig holes with backhoes rather than spoons, mm -hmm. and then they get to have freedom in their lives while making the income that they're looking for, because that's the relationship and we have a win-win situation in the business. Hey, that's the kind of job that where people might want to stick around for a long time. 
Why right. go through all the work of building something on my own or going and finding another job if I have found a way to dig holes with a backhoe and this person pays me really well for holes, right? Not for digging, but for holes, right? Right. And so that's the mindset that I want to encourage leaders to think about is like, what are the holes that want to be dug for your business? Yeah. And, and then let's enroll people in cr the creation of holes, whether that be by digging or backhoeing, right? Y your role person, sailor, whatever, is to help the business get holes somehow. Right. And the, I don't care how you do it. In fact, the better you're, you are at doing it, the faster you are at doing it, the more freedom you'll have in your life. Mm -hmm. Right? Because that's what people really want is freedom, I think, at the mm -hmm. end of the day. That's why this podcast is a shift to freedom, right? We're trying to find ways to create freedom, right? And if we can yeah. find relationships where people are enrolled in that same creation of freedom, cool. I think that's like people are going to stick around for that because we like we're naturally drawn to freedom. So that's the first thing is to yeah. just really get focused on the what you want created and not the how you want it created. Okay. Now, the person, again, depending on the level of experience that that person has, maybe they are not that effective at making holes yet. Okay. And that's where we have this trade off. Like we either bring in somebody who's just a rock star hole person who they're probably going to command a higher price. Or somebody who's like still trying to learn how to dig a hole and they're going to command a much lower price and going to take more mentoring and, you know, coaching and that sort of thing to, in order to help them understand how to build holes. Right. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, if you, if you're, by the way, your business will get more valuable, literally the valuation of your business will increase the more you confident you are that you could take just any old person off the street who might have an interest in something, walk them through a process that they then become an excellent whole creator, right? You're saying your valuation goes up if you're, if like you're training them. I'm saying your valuation goes up if you have standard operating procedures. If you have a system by which you can ensure that you can get holes dug in your business yeah. at, at the rate that you want, at the price that you want it, right? Like people who are thinking about buying businesses, they want to know like, can this business do its thing in perpetuity or does it require you, your specialized skills and abilities to make it work? Because that's a higher risk. That's a risk for the, the person who's buying the business. It, right. it requires a Sophie to do it, right? Like my business, it, it'd be tough to sell it because it, right. it requires a Ben in it, right? right? Like if I'm not there coaching, I could teach people to coach like me now. And, and some people do, by the way. And some businesses, some coaching businesses, that is what their model is. They do teach people to coach the way that they coach, right? And that makes the value of the business go up ultimately because mm -hmm. then you can bring on a sales team to close people and then you can have the coaches coach people, right? And now it's a system that's operating, mm -hmm. right? So that's what we're trying to figure out. Like if you want a business that's scaled and automated and possibly for sale as well, right? Yeah. But, in, but in order to do that and to build all those systems, I think that it, it, it takes inquiry and it takes time. And that's, I think that's the captain's job ultimately is to figure out like, where are we going and how do we get there? And then in the meantime, in order to do that, you can't be micromanaging all the kids. We don't have the space and time if we're micromanaging our sailors and making and coming behind them with the checklist. Did you do the, did, did you do the thing? Like that won't work. Right. So getting ourselves focused right. on what are the results? And then enrolling the sailor, whoever the sailor is, in the creation of the result, right? And then look, maybe we have a check-in regularly scheduled where we say, hey, yeah. how's, your whole, how's your whole creation going? You know? What's working? Totally. What's, what's not? You know? Yeah. 
How does that land? I'm curious. That lands really, really well. And then like the second part to that is just the, the fear of the beginning phase of not being in freedom, which I know that we've, you've already given that example of like, you know, someone that already knows how to do bitch and holes and someone who like, you have to teach how to do it for some time. Mm -hmm. But like what just continues to come up for me and the biggest hurdle mindset wise for me is Mm -hmm. that is enrolling more and more people going to give me less and less freedom. Mm -hmm. Because you're, because you're still playing the role of manager in your mind. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So maybe that's, maybe that's one of the hires that is right away. I need someone who is the checklist person. Yeah. Someone who is the process person. Hey, we have this vision for how we create press for people. The, the ultimate purpose Mm -hmm. of this company is to create press for people, right? Right. The map of the process. Now, look, it could be a person or it could be systems that you have in place, right? Uh, Dan Sullivan has this concept of the self-managing company, which I really like a whole lot, where you get really clear on what are the outcomes that people are creating? What kinds of things are they on the lookout for? And then you have them manage themselves. Here's all the, here's the relationships that I nurtured this week. Here's the, you know, the outreach that I did this week. Here's the things. And here's what results we've created as a result of that, right? Yeah. And you have somebody bring that to you. And so that you could check it whenever you wanted to, because what you're talking, what the micro, the tendency at its highest and best, the micromanaging tendency, like that, that is a desire for trust in your, in your employees, right. And in the creation of value in your business, right. Like we, we want to be able to trust that they're doing it. Right. And that we're creating value in our business. Totally. Right. And the feeling, or at least like historically for me, I can speak to is that like when it feels like there's not that like actually having to like work really hard at something happening, then nothing is happening. You know, Mm. like when I've enrolled more people in the past and I'm like a little bit further removed, I have this sense of like, is anything even happening? And it should be because obviously like you're hiring people to be doing those things. I wonder if that's something that you hear, like, I don't know, that's like the second part to it that like when I've had, I have had a bigger team, I'm like a little bit further back and I'm, always questioning, is anything even happening? Because I'm not the one actually doing it. And I'm so used to being the one doing it. Right. But so if you, if you're asking that question, you, one of two things I think is happening, either we're not clear on what results we're actually looking for, or there's no process by which we're monitoring whether those results are happening in the world. Mm. Right. Because if again, and I'm true, I don't pretend to know your business better than you do, but if placements are like the number one, most important thing, and it doesn't matter how they get them, it just matters that yeah. they get them. Cool. Well then are we, are we looking at placements on a regular basis? Because if you're getting placements and that's the one thing that you're looking at, right. And you're seeing that you're getting the placements. Well, now you as the business owner can rest assured that the, who cares what is happening there? We're getting right. placements, right? And if we're not getting placements on the flip side, cool. Now there's something for us to look at and yeah, troubleshoot and figure out what the hell is happening. Why aren't we getting placements? Our one job is placements, right? right? What are we missing? Right. Totally. So that's, that's like, that's like where we get into a little bit more of like the self-managing kind of a company is like, we just like understand what are the key things that we're looking at. And you hear people talk about KPIs, key performance indicators. Mm-hmm. Performance is a tricky word because it means like the, it's the acting part. Mm-hmm. Right. But again, we don't give a shit whether they're digging it with a backhoe or we're digging it with a spoon. Right. What we care is the results. So right. I'd be more interested in like a KRI. <laughs> what are the key result indicators? Right. What are the things that tell us that we are cr- accomplishing what we set out to accomplish? 
in the world. And then for each role, those maybe are going to be different things, right? Yeah. The more complicated your business is, the more specialized people can be yeah. to, to be a part of the bigger machine that is the creation of value in your business. So if you are currently listening and um, if someone's listening and they have a lot of inbound right now and they know that they need to hire out of all of the roles that we've talked about and all the different players, still knowing that like results are the things that like we're looking at first, what order is it best to hire in? Yeah. I don't know that there is an answer to best to hire in, but the, I would, I would offer a couple questions to ask you to reflect on if you're in this situation. The first one is where are you spending the most of your time and where are you spending unfulfilled time, time that you don't love the time that you're spending? Okay. Time that you maybe, maybe it's those tasks that you always put off till the end. The things that you're like always procrastinating on or driving your feet, feet on, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a great place to start. Yeah. And, and start here. Like, first of all, what would happen if we just didn't do that? <laughs> right. Do we have to be doing this thing in the business in the first place to create the value stream that we're looking for? Okay. And if the answer is yes, and you're not liking it or you're dragging your feet, you're taking a long time to do it. Cool. Then that's a great place to look for a hire, right? Who would love to do that? And they wouldn't drag their feet because they would enjoy that part of the process. Let's go find that person and bring them in and, and understand what are the key results indicators that we're looking for for that person. Right. Yeah. And then, and then get set them free so that we can take you as the captain and we can focus more and more of your time at looking at the horizon and reading the storms, right? Making sure that you're understanding where is your industry going, right? What are the changes on the horizon? Who are the other players? What are the things that are working and the systems that we can make work even better? That sort of thing, right? Where can people look to or any tips for them to find these different hires or these different people to enroll onto mm. their teams? Great question. I don't know. I, I, my answer to that is like, I, so we just did a hire this year and I hired somebody. I first found somebody through word of mouth. I found somebody who was a consultant in this space, in the hiring space. And she came in mm-hmm. and she did a fantastic job. Um, we can put her link in the in the show notes, right? Her name is Sarah Newman and she did a fantastic, fantastic job of helping to hire a certain kind of role, mm-hmm. I think. But there are people out there. Ask your network. Hey, who's who's great at bringing on? If it's the salesperson, it's the salesperson. Who's great at bringing on? If it's the, the manager, it's the manager, right? Who do yeah. you know? And start, I, I, like, I love to go to the network first because then you can get the firsthand referrals. Yeah. There's a little bit more of a trust flow. After and that- And you go to the go network to with, yeah, uh, Google's always a great answer, but yeah. for the network piece, just so we can like give people like no hurdles, like we're like actually like helping them like with what to even say to their network. Do you recommend saying like, I'm looking for this and say a title or like, I'm looking for someone to help with these results. I'm looking to create these results in the, in the business. I you know personally, I always believe in leading with the results first. That's what we're trying to yeah. create in the business. And this does a couple things. Cause one, like a lot of times, like a title doesn't actually tell you what somebody likes to do, what they're, what they're effective at creating in the world. And also it doesn't even tell you what necessarily kinds of results they're creating. Cause people use different titles to describe different things. Like a yeah. key, a, cl- a classic example is the size of a business. Like a director at Google is a very different role than a director at a startup that just has, you know, 40 people in it. Yeah. Right. They're going to, they're going to have vastly le- different levels of experience in overseeing, you know, yeah. people. So 
so get clear on what you're trying to create. And then, you know, and then like, I do like if you're, if, if it's not your thing, if you're like, yeah, I, I really know how to do this. I really know how to hire this. I like, I love the idea of hiring consultants, like people who they do know how to connect with people. They do know how to move you through the process of hiring and you, and you want to get really clear with them again, the results that you're looking to create, right? Yeah. The person that I want to be in the business helping me is going to be effective at creating these results. This is yeah. what I'm trying to create right here. Right. Amazing. Amazing. And then last question that I want to leave the audience with is when this conversation comes up with your clients, what is, uh, like the biggest mindset hurdle or block, um, that we can like just bring to light and then maybe offer kind of like a mantra or just something that can help us get out of that mindset that's stopping us from being able to enroll. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say most on this, but I will say the one that you're bringing up is probably one of the more common ones that I hear, which is just like, I don't believe that I can do this. I don't believe that I can actually create space in my business and that I can have a, a company where I don't have to micromanage to get the work done. I think that is like a belief that shows up for people. And a way that you can combat this is one, you can, you can seek out people who have done this, right? People who have created this kind of space and I am not able to give you like, I could, I could refer you to some of my clients who have never really created this, but yeah, I, I can't yeah. do that. Right. Um, but that, but seek that out so that you can find a model for belief, right. Mm -hmm. For believing that it's possible for you to do this. Right. But then just, if not that, see if you can figure out a plan, like what would have to happen? Ask yourself, this is like a kind of a coaching question. What would have to happen? What would have to be in place? What would I, what would have to be true about the world for me to believe that this was possible? or for this thing to be possible in my reality. And you can ask that question and kind of keep your mind focused on it. Cool? Amazing. Is there anything else that's coming up for you here that you want to leave the audience with before we end it? Um, no, I think it, these are, were really great questions. Uh, the, the game that we're playing again is like when we're looking to hire the tendency to micromanage is just trust is it's a desire for trust. I want to trust the results are going to be created. So keep your mind focused on those results. Think what and who, not how. Not how yeah. do we get this thing done? And you might have a system for doing it. Great. Awesome. Make a standard operating procedure, but that's going to be more for training people. So think about your results, focus your mind on your results and your team's I mind. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I feel like I would love for this episode to have like a worksheet with like a skeleton of like a uh, work, like a, uh, what's, what's the word that you just used? Like a process or like something that's like the questions to ask yourself at the end of the week or at the end of the month or something that's like, this is how you reflect back on results, not yeah. just like work. Totally. You know? I, I think we can absolutely create that. So I don't know if this part will go in the podcast, but we'll, <laughs> we, we can attach something like that. We'll see. Cool. Anyway, right, well, thanks so much for the conversation. Thank you so much. And yeah. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have, I feel yeah. like also we should just ask the audience, like if they have, if you guys have any like specific topic that you want to hear me and Ben talk about, this literally came from someone who listens to Shift to Freedom who wanted this exact topic. So if there's anything that you want to hear more of, um, you can message either of us and we'll definitely talk about it on the next one. Yeah. Reach out in the DMs, ask questions. We love it. Uh, that kind of feedback is fantastic. And then, yeah. um, and we'll even shout you out if you want. Yeah, Sweet. definitely. All right. right on. Thanks, Sophie. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. 
See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.